pillar guard. Attention. Audience, please rise. You're already up. Thank you. Please place your right hand over your heart as we bring in the colors. Color guard, forward, march. Color guard, halt. Color guard, cross. Cross the colors. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. We can bring down our hands. Color guard, post the flag of the United States of America. Color guard, post the flag of Colorado. Color guard, retreat. Color guard, halt. Color guard, at ease. Audience, at ease. Thank you. Can we thank our Boy Scout troop for uh, posting for us? And for Bruce Parkman playing the bagpipes, and he'll play again at the end, so let's thank him as well. Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm so glad you made it safely. And I'm assuming you made it safely because you made it. And uh, we'll just be praying for those that are still trying to make their way in. Thanks for making the choice to join us today for a special day of, uh, uh, of worshiping, but of, of, of honoring our veterans and, um, and, and, and just allowing ourselves some time to soak in who God is, even in his authority over, over our troops. Well, with this being Veterans Day weekend, we want to honor our veterans. So if you have served or are currently serving in any of our branches of military, could, would you stand so that we can thank you for your service to our country We were humbled by your, by your commitment. We're humbled by your, your sacrifice. Uh, and uh, we support you. We support all those uh, that you served alongside of and under and even over. 
Um, and we're so grateful. Uh, our nation is grateful, but even us personally, we are grateful for who you are and what you have done and what you are still doing. And uh, so, church, let's, let's just constantly be mindful of those that are out there on the front lines, uh, standing in the gap on our behalf uh, so that we can enjoy the freedom, the freedom to gather together and worship uh, our creator. So once again, let's, let's thank our veterans. You may be seated. Re really, just one particular announcement for us today. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we serve the needy. We've been doing this every year for kind of more than a handful of years now in a row. And we have uh, nice posters and flyers that are available to us this morning. We're just asking if you could grab some, especially to hang up at your workplace or, uh, or maybe if, if you know the, the manager at the grocery store or, or whatever, uh, great places for just, we need as much visibility for this. We really want it to be impactful. We want to wanna make sure that everybody gets a good meal, Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day, and anybody can get that right here. Um, I, I'm sure that some of you may be interested in knowing how to get involved with that. Um, and so, Paul, if you'll just, just wave. Pa Paul is, 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 our, is our point man on this. When we're done today, Paul, would you stand out here by these flyers? And if there's anybody that's wanting questions answered, you can do that for them, okay? So thank you for that, everyone. Um, for Yes. So the U.S. Army, I'm going to say this on the mic so our folks on the Internet can hear that. U.S. Army is providing the food for our, our meals. So we thank the Army uh, for that as well. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, we want you to stand and greet one another. Shake at least one hand. And then we're going to join together in worship.
the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. We worship you today. You are so good. We thank you today for sharing your heart with us. We thank you for all your promises that are yes and amen in Jesus. We love you today. We worship That's your testimony. This one's for you, Todd. We're gonna we're gonna get our clapping challenge on, right?
know, did we do that one all right? Is it okay? That's our first time post-Todd to try that song, so. All right, hallelujah. What an exciting day to be in the presence of the Lord. Isn't he great? Yes. Let's sing this morning like we mean it.
of adoration for who you are. And for what you have done. And that last song is, is simply a testimony to both of those. Our assurance today is of your grace and your mercy at work in our life right now. In the days, weeks, months, and years to come on into eternity. You are, even as we speak, preparing a place for us that we might spend eternity with you. 
that is the core of our joy and our hope and our celebration today. Uh, there is a heaven that awaits us. A place where conflict, conflict will cease. Where the need for war will be behind us forever. Where we will simply uh, experience life as you always intended for us to experience it with peace love joy these things happen for us even in the midst of our conflicts because your Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome. But we thank you for that day that is coming, and we thank you even for the here and the now that you do empower us to experience life at a different level because of your presence with us. Lord Jesus, we take time today to pray for our country, especially those that are out there on the front lines right now or, or somewhere in the world preparing for that, bracing for that. There are men and women who have committed to putting themselves out there in front of us to defend us, to protect us, to protect the heart of freedom and, and liberty and democracy. All the things that we experience daily and, and, quite, and quite honestly we take for granted most often. Right now we just thank you for them and ask that you will put your hand on them, that you will protect them, do you provide for their needs that they will feel comforted by you? These people have left their families behind to do this for us. Have your hand on those families. Many of them who are in our area here in Keller and El Paso County. May they sense your presence. And may they get a sense today that their loved ones out there are, you've got them in your hands. We pray for our government and all the upheaval that has taken place over the last week or so and, and the continual distress. Have your hand on our president and his cabinet, and our Congress, and our Senate, and our governors. They will lead us the way that you intend them to lead us. 
even if they don't truly acknowledge you as God, somehow they will find themselves submitting to your authority. We need you, desperately need you. If there was ever a day when we needed you, it's today, it's now. We are your people called by your name. And we choose to humble ourselves before you today and seek your face. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray. And everybody here says, amen. You may be seated. And as you're doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join me as we prepare to continue our worship time through our giving. We have one, two, there we go. They're, they're making their way. All right. It's the whole Babin clan. Nice. Jesus, you are our provider. Thank you for the provision that has come. And for the provision that is coming, we trust you for all of our needs take what we have to offer you today use it bless it multiply it accomplish your kingdom purposes with it build your church with it we pray in christ's name I'd like to invite Nate, Paul, Eric, Dick Ronk, and John. If you guys would all come up and join me. Folks, these are some of our guys who have stood in the gap for us, veterans from across the years. How about we honor them and thank them for what they have done? You guys may be seated. I, uh, I invited them up here with me today because I needed their help in engaging in a bit of a dialogue. We're going to start with you. Um, introduce yourself and especially uh, what conflict you served in and maybe how, how many years or how many tours of duty you may have, have had. So go ahead and start there. Good morning. Thanks for the opportunity to be with you this morning. I want to begin by acknowledging my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without his grace, mercy, love, and protection, I would not be able to be here with you this morning. And I also want to say thanks for my mother and father who are with the Lord this moment. Mother prayed the 91st Psalm over me every day that I spent in Vietnam. And my father gave me a New Testament that I carried in my left breast pocket. 
every day that I wasn't here. And I, I appreciate their love and their upbringing. You know, 100 years ago today, an armistice was signed that ended the shooting war known as the war to end all wars. That didn't work out very well, did it? No, not really. Less than two decades after that, principals were involved in armed conflict in several theaters around the world. Fifty years ago, I honored the request of my Uncle Sam to join 500,000 of my best friends in South Vietnam. That was quite an experience. My first exposure to hostile fire was very few minutes after I got off an airplane at Tonsonut Air Base when two mortar rounds landed in the area where I was in process. Not long after I joined my battalion, I was ordered to uh, visit a unit in a remote area, probably 15 miles out of Saigon. And I want to emphasize how important it is that we listen to the words of the Lord. In 27 years of wearing a funny-looking green suit, in part to support our ability to be here and worship God in our own way this morning, I found that the Lord never left me. There were times when I didn't always walk closely with him, but he was always there, and I was always able to turn to him. When I visited that unit in a remote area in the, the bush in Vietnam, I hadn't been there very long, was in bed the first night, and about midnight I was awakened by small arms fire. I knew that the position was under attack. My immediate response was to get up out of bed and go to my assigned location. However, you know, the Lord speaks to all of us yeah. at various points in our lives, at various points in time, in different manners. He always speaks to us through the Holy Scriptures. But there are times when he'll speak to us through the actions and words of others. And there are times when I think we can hear him audibly. This was one of those times because I heard a very distinct, specific command, no roll over. And so I rolled over and crawled to my assigned position. After the attack was finished and I went back to bed, I woke up the next morning and looked up in the wall, 12 inches above my pillow, was a tiny hole about the size of my little finger. Had I not listened to the command that I think the Lord caused me to hear, I certainly wouldn't be here today. Wow. And so the moral of that story is, if you don't listen to the Lord's commands and adhere to them and follow them, the results can certainly be fatal. Wow. Thank you. You pass it down to Paul. You just introduce yourself and, and, and when you served, and uh, you have a pretty awesome story to share. So my name's Paul Welch. Uh, I'm retired from the Army 24 years. And uh, when Pastor called me this week, I thought, no, I screwed up. Uh, the offering must be off in the county. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he goes, uh, hey, uh, can you? We're gonna have a veterans uh, event on Sunday. Can you talk? And I'm like, sure. And uh, Cindy, who's uh, watching on the internet, uh, she's 
was born in Germany. And uh, so he said, hey, would you uh, tell some German story or whatever? And I said, well, how old do you think I am? I mean, that, <laughs> ought to be, that ought to be Dick telling those stories. You didn't know him? You didn't know Hitler personally? Yeah, okay. No. All right. My fault. But uh, uh, on my birthday in 2002, I deployed to Iraq. Uh, I was the Brigade XO of the 3rd Brigade at Fort Carson, 3rd Brigade of the 4th ID. And uh, we attacked into Iraq behind the 3rd Infantry Division, if any of you can remember of your history or that long ago already. And uh, for the first mo four months, so from April to July, we were on the offensive. And uh, what that really meant is we were going to all the isolated pockets that had been bypassed early in the war and uh, taking their surrender or threatening them or whatever. I drove through my first live minefield on the uh, Iran-Iraq border. That was exciting. And so all through April to July, and this is just a fact, it's not all of the, when we tell stories up here, whatever, and none of it is to our credit, it's all to the Lord or to those other servicemen and women that we served with. And so from April to July, I lived on four hours of sleep a night on all those. Uh, we were always moving. We never had a home. I slept out of my Humvee uh, in very uncomfortable seats, same position as this one right here. And so um, well, July 4th, we, we tried to slow down a little bit give the soldiers a chance to recoup a little bit. And so on July 5th, I said, I am done on four hours of sleep. And so from then on out, I went to six. That was really good. But that was also the turning point in what our unit did for operations. And so from July to the, to the end of, the, of our time, we were there a year, uh, we now were doing more uh, support to the local authorities. Now, we had disbanded their army, we had, their police were really not existent. Uh, we were learning about tribes and they had their own tribal police force. And so uh, we were in transition. So I didn't really do my combat mission anymore. Now I got a new task. And uh, my job was to go buy fire trucks and police in the middle of a room. Where do you buy fire trucks and police? And so uh, uh, one of my other duties was purchasing logistics. And so I purchased gravel, because uh, it doesn't matter, any war, mud is a great thing you got to deal with. And so, you know, we're trying to improve the lives of the troops, so I'm buying gravel, I'm buying wood uh, to help uh, build better living conditions for the soldiers. And so I met these uh, Lebanese guys that were at the contracting office, and I uh, told them, hey, I really need to find where I can buy fire and so we established a working relationship where one of them went to Lebanon and he would buy used uh, equipment out of Europe, get it shipped to Lebanon, and then he would round up drivers and they would convoy it all the way down from Le Lebanon to the middle of Iraq. And uh, we did this for months. And uh, I had a pay officer, one of my captains. My pay officer would sit on ammo cans in her hoot uh, that had over a million dollars because we never knew when one of these convoys would show up and it was always $500,000 or whatever to pay for this equipment. We'd get it washed, we'd get it stenciled, we'd put lights and sirens on it and then I would turn it over to combat patrol that they would now go out and engage the local authorities and try to rebuild some of their infrastructure. 
Well, after about six months of this, uh, they got a hold of me, obviously, and they said, hey, we want to go out and have a meal together. We want to celebrate this great working relationship. And at this point in time, uh, we weren't still eating on the economy. We, we weren't eating on the economy. Actually, I had a secret convoy that would go to the Iranian border, ice cream from Iran, but anyway, bring that back. But uh, we weren't supposed to eat on the economy. And, mm. and so I had to go get uh, permission, and someone had to go check out the restaurant we were going to go to for security, for health, safety, and everything. And then I got all my guys together, and we had a class. Uh, because uh, working with the Iraqis, uh, there are some do's and don'ts about body language, using your right hand, not the left, uh, to eat in. And so we had a class with everybody. And I got them all put together a convoy, and we were going to go uh, have this meal. Uh, with. They were bringing all their, their family members. Family is very important. So it was the guys, their wives, their kids, their cousins. We had this whole big restaurant to ourselves. And I had given my guys the right act about, you know, don't be disrespectful to our host. We're all about building this relationship. And the meal has started, and all of a sudden during the meal, uh, our host just starts crying. I look at my guys with the evil eyes, and I'm like, what did you do? We are going to have a discussion after this because somebody's in trouble. And so, you know, I, I went up to the host. I must apologize. I'm sorry that we've offended you. Uh, please forgive us. You know, we have such a great working relationship. I don't want to endanger that. And uh, they stopped me right there, and they said, no, we're crying because we're happy. We could never take our families out to eat when Saddam was in power because we didn't know if Kude and Kusein were going to grab our wives and our children and so that was a real heartbreaking thing to realize that our actions were just being able to provide a peaceful environment for our family. And then when I came back home uh, after a year, I started reading a lot of books about you know, Iraq. I ran across this book. It was from the Iraqi Air Force uh, Chief of Staff, so a four-star general, who now that the war was over could write that he was a Christian. And so... Uh, he would talk about some of these meetings that he would have with the other generals where they plotted their wars. And uh, <clears throat> he talked about the invasion of Kuwait in the first world. And uh, he said that uh, he would, he was a Christian, so, you know, he thought God put him there. And so when he would talk to Saddam, he would say, yeah, our planes can attack, you know, Kuwait, and we can do this and we can do that. But we're going to suffer 90% casualties. And this is what's going to happen. We'll be there. So he tried to be. In this book, he wrote that now, after the war, he personally was helping missionaries in Baghdad and Galad. And so I, I feel, you know, why did we go? What did we do? One, we went there to make peace so that people could go out with their families and not feel about being abducted. And then, two, we opened the door for missionaries to get in. So that was my time in Eric, let's hand it off to Eric. Uh, right. Eric, uh, I, I know, I think you were, let's see, you just came off a of deployment, what, about a month ago now? I retired. Yeah, talk, talking to the. Yeah, I retired in May, then I went over to contract. Okay. Right after, so I just got. Okay. 
Um, I know that you can't really talk about share what, but you have this very specific thing you and I talked about that I really want you to share with us this morning. So early in my career, I started out as a young uh, recce or reconnaissance guy, four man. Uh, we worked in mostly Eastern Europe, Balkan, but we worked all over what's called CENCOM, which is various countries, North Africa, uh, and uh, of course Afghanistan. You know, I could talk about all sorts of God stepped in, did incredible, wonderful things at certain moments, um, but those weren't the most pivotal points in my life. So I'd already deployed quite a bit, you know. We were a small team. Our deployments were like two weeks, three months. We'd go out, knock it out, come home, reset for a week or two or a month, head back out again. We're constantly going. But at about that time, uh, we were shorthanded on combat in Iraq. So we got picked up to go out and do some rotations. And it was a little different than what we're used to as a recce type mission. And uh, so it started out pretty quick. You know, we went into Ramadi, very busy, high op tempo, when time's low. You know, two missions a week, but usually it's several missions a week. It's not, you know, you might not get sleep for days. You know, you're constantly going. And so about the first month or so, I was doing all right, but um, we'd come back from missions. You know, I'd be all right. You know, we train up, we do rehearsals, we go out do the missions, no issues. We'd come back. I would have to step away, find a place for myself, because um, I would break down. You know, I just couldn't quite handle it. And it wasn't the, uh, the the fear of what was going to happen to me. It was what's going to happen to my daughters um, if something happened. You know, because at that time, I was very fortunate to have very good teammates. We're in the kind of unit where we watched out for each other. We took care of each other. And so their mother at the time was almost non-existent. She was really the person that was there to make sure that they went to school. And then my buddy's wives could come pick them up and watch them while I was deployed. It was not a good situation. So I constantly had that fear of something happened. What's going to happen to my girls when we lose the safety net of the team? And, you know, and watching out for each other. And uh, and so I don't think my teammates recognized it. They didn't know. But I was having a really hard time with it. You know, like I said, I still do the mission. But afterwards, I was just tore up, having a hard time. And I didn't know if I'd keep doing this job. And so I went out and I prayed, you know, and um, and I, I felt a warmth, right? I didn't hear God talk to me. It wasn't words. It wasn't like him, you know, a sky opening up and him saying, hey, Eric, this is what it is. It's, I felt a warmth and a comfort as though he was telling me, he's like, your kids are going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of them. They're going to be fine. You worry about your guys. The reason that's so pivotal is, pivotal is that it's been with me my whole life. With everything I've done, the rest of the time I was in the Army, um, seven more deployments after that, I always had that feeling. I never had any fear whatsoever. Um, I knew he was there watching out for us. My girls would be okay, you know. And, you know, I could talk about all sorts of things where, you know, we what we call instinct to me is God talking to you, right, where he says, hey, Eric, you need to get out of this position and go over here, you know, and ended up being a very wise <laughs> uh, information that he gave me to do. Or I could talk about the chaplain, you know, who prayed 
you know, because of the rain and the weather, we won't be able to do what we were supposed to do, and suddenly the skies open up, clear skies, and we were able to do the mission. Or, you know, I could talk about how God has seemed to take away any sort of marksmanship skills from the enemy. It was amazing. Mm. But this was the most pivotal time in my life because that changed who I am, how I saw God, how I saw life. There's no need to have fear in anything you do, all right, because he's there. He's watching over you. Times may not be good. It may not be the outcome that you want, but he's still there, and he still loves you, and he's still watching out for you. He cares about you and your family. So I carried that through my entire career, and it's helped me in everything I, I've done. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. All right, let's pass it down to Nate. Nate, you're in the Guard, and um, you and I have chatted, and your main job is, uh, when you're deployed, is making bombs. Can you talk to us about some of the tension that you've experienced with this and what you've learned about God from from that reality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and <clears throat> I don't know, after we talked yesterday, uh, the Lord spoke to me a little bit and I have some other insight, but, yeah. um, and I'll, I'll keep it quick. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a, what's, what's officially known as a guard baby, meaning I've never served active duty, uh, other than the times that I'm deployed. So I joined at 33 years old, 32 years old and said, Hey, <laughs> 10 years ago, um, Ten years ago this month, actually, uh, and wanted to serve and, and uh, chose munitions, not really thinking about what that is. So I'm a 2WO or a 461, and that's just a fancy way of saying a bomb builder. And so when I'm deployed, my job is to uh, is to build bombs and make sure that they've got a certain effectiveness rate and make sure that we don't have duds and make sure that they go off when they're supposed to go off and they blow up the stuff that they're supposed to blow up. and and uh, in the end, that keeps guys uh, like Eric and, and all these guys safer because uh, hopefully they don't have to face as much physical resistance on the ground. So, um, you know, when you get into doing that, it's, it's an interesting tug for somebody who's already a Christian, who's a really strong, I, I think I'm a pretty strong Christian. Um, it's kind of an interesting tug to think, gosh, what I'm working on here, this 2,000-pound bomb can level a city block. Level. A city block, uh, if it's if it's set up in an airburst mode and, and all that other fun stuff, and the collateral damage can be pretty significant. We've all seen on TV, and we've seen uh, from the Syrian civil war, we've seen the 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 type of damage that these bombs or the kind that the Russians are dropping are able to do. You see the the rubble and the devastation and the kids that are that are stuck under things, and it it really starts to make you question and say. Why am I doing this? Um, how does this jive? How does this reconcile with my faith? Mm-hmm. And I found that the only explanation I can find, the only way I can get into it, is to realize the most important thing. And and uh, Eric started talking about this a little bit. So recognize that God is sovereign. He is on His throne. Jesus is Lord, he will come again, and he'll raise all of the faithful with him. And understanding that, and understanding the very temporary nature of where we actually are, the, 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 the temporary air we're breathing, um, and all of that, is the only way that I can even see how you make it through life as a civilian, much less uh, as somebody who is uh, in, in that world. 
Um, and I thought, thought about other things. I thought about, well, how does God feel about soldiers and, uh, and airmen and Marines and, and, and all of us that are, are warriors, ultimately. And I think about <coughs> the centurion, Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that he ever stopped being a centurion. I think he had enormous faith. And we see other stories of people in similar situations throughout the Bible. It doesn't say that they dropped their weapons and, and, and moved off to something else. It said that they, that, that they were doing, uh, that they, they continued to do what they were doing. And it, it takes me back to other scriptures about doing everything that you're doing as if you're doing it to the Lord. So uh, learning how to be a good follower, listening to directions, listening to the direction of those uh, placed in control above you, and doing it the very best you can, because in the end, that just just good followership can probably save somebody's life. Um, and learning that there are ripple effects and all of that. But overall, the big overarching thing is that this is all temporary. There's something much bigger, much greater, much more powerful. And I don't need to understand the why, because it's really easy. It's really easy when you're in... When I was in Korea... The base that I was at, we pretty much know from Intel that it, it's the base that's going to get, that, that they're going to go for as early as possible. They're going to try and knock it out with chemical weapons. And so we sit and we drill and we drill and we drill and we drill. Not only are you working on doing your job and practicing building the bombs and making sure that you're producing everything you need for all the sorties, but you're also um, doing it in chem gear for days on end. That means you're wearing full dis- Mop gear is terrible. Uh, but you're wearing all this stuff, gas mask, rubber gloves, your dexterity is shot, and you're still going through doing all this stuff for days on end, transitioning in and out of, of, of uh, simulated chem zones and everything. You're doing this every month. Um, and it, you, you start to think, how can God allow all of that evil out there that, that we had up north? Um, and... Again, you have to say, I don't need to understand everything. I know that there is a bigger picture. The second takeaway out of that also is preparation. It made me think of, and this is what I was tell, talking about, uh, God talked to me last night, is it made me think about preparation and the virgin preparing for the bridegroom to mm-hmm. arrive yeah. and being prepared. And that doing all of that drill and all of that chem practice and all of that stuff over and over and over again um, gives you a readiness and a confidence to be able to handle the situation as it comes in front of you. And that's a great illustration for how things can happen for us in our Christian lives. If we're not cracking our Bible, if we're not constantly meeting with our brethren and, and discussing the hard things and addressing the hard things, when they really come up, are we going to be prepared, mm. you know? So I've had an opportunity, yeah. that the, the, the only other thing I wanted to mention, I've had an opportunity being part of this group to, um, and be put, being part of the Guard to also share my faith and help young airmen um, start to find their way. Start, you know, people that are, that are freaking out about the fact that we're doing all these drills and, man, it, and the commanders say, you know, it could, the fight could go on tonight, so we need to be ready. Younger guys really freaking out about things, and it's given me an opportunity to share my faith. Awesome. So that's been helpful. So, so Nate al- alluded to the centurion. If you have your Bible, you can open to Luke chapter 7. And that's where you find the story about um, the centurion uh, 
coming into contact with Jesus. We have to remember that Rome had come and had taken over Israel. So they, they, we are in occupation mode here, okay? And, uh, and, and Rome uh, is seen as, as the enemy. Yet we find this really interesting uh, story that seems to kind of go in a whole, the whole opposite direction. Listen to what happens. So um, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a, a centurion slave who was highly valued by the centurion was sick and was about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, so a centurion is, is uh, sort of a captain. Uh, 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 you know, he's, he's, got a, he's got a whole group of Roman soldiers underneath him, okay, that, in case you're not familiar with that term. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to Jesus, requesting Jesus to come and save the life of his slave. This is really interesting. When they, the Jewish elders, reached Jesus, they pleaded with Jesus earnestly, saying this about the centurion. He is worthy for you to grant this because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. There's something about this guy in particular that seems to be different than the other Roman soldiers that we would perceive, that we would think of. So you, the norm was that there was abuse, uh, there was authori- authoritarian uh, kind of stuff um, uh, in, in most of their viewpoints. Jews were like dogs to them. Um, in fact, that was a pretty common term that they would use. Yet this particular centurion had a faith, and it was a significant faith. And in, inside of this um, less, than, less than stellar uh, um, situation, you have this guy that should be functioning as the enemy, as an outsider, an intruder, functioning with faith. In fact, his faith is so significant, here's the end, how the story ends. He, he says to Jesus, uh, he says through these people to Jesus, do not trouble yourself. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, so don't even take steps towards me. Instead, just say the word from where you are, and I know that my servant will be cured. Because I'm a man who's under authority, and, and I have men under, uh, under my authority. When I say to this one, go here, or to this one, come here, it's done. So if you would just speak the word, express your authority... I am absolutely convinced it will be done. And Jesus turns to the Jews and says, Are you kidding me? I haven't found such a great faith in all of Israel. We, we're sitting up here with, with guys that have had to go to other places as outsiders. as uh, they, they were probably viewed as intruders. Um... And yet, when you, 
when they take the presence of the Almighty with them, when they're infiltrating these places with the presence of God, there is effect, there's impact that these guys have. Whether they can know that, I mean, Paul's story, he, he was able to hear the fruit of it from, from, from the Iraqis' lips. And, and let me tell you, when, when you watch the news, we don't get that story. We're going we're gonna to hear about how awful our troops are or how, how much they're hated by those people over there or, you know, because they're intrusive, they're intruders or whatever. But when you're taking the light of Jesus with you, um, there's heavy impact. This guy's story speaks to integrity. His integrity um, was obvious enough that the Jews pleaded on, be, on his behalf that Jesus would do this work for this outsider, for this, for this Roman centurion. And I think these guys, along with our other veterans that are here, they represent integrity. And when you take that integrity, uh, it makes a difference, whether it's with the foreigners that you're trying to help or the guys that you're working with in your crews. Um, and folks, that, 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 if that's not a message you're not hearing clearly today, I'm just praying that God will open your ears. Let's let our lives be lived out with that kind of integrity. It's not just a veteran thing. It's a, it's a Christian thing. Um, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your families, let, the, let integrity lead you. And let the light of Jesus um, pave, pave your way and no matter what you're putting your hands to. Um, John, one, one last interview here. Uh, tell us when you served. First of all, just because you definitely served as well. But then I want you to share with us about what we're doing here for veterans. What, what, what ministry we have in place now for, for our veterans. Yes, sir. Um, I served in uh, the Vietnam War, but I did not fight in Vietnam. I fought in Laos with the 5th Special Forces. Our unit was a top secret unit called MACD SOG. We did raids and ambushes on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. The short story I want to share with you is about the, the, the crux of that story will be helping children to be saved. When I was very small, a Cub Scout, in fact, uh, was baptized into a, a Methodist church on the west side of Colorado Springs. I don't remember being saved. Maybe I just forgot. Uh, a number of years later, I was in Laos, and we were trying to uh, extract, which means the helicopters come and pick us up and take us back. I had 22 men with me. I was a lieutenant. There was two dead, and the rest of us were wounded. Uh, we had had a problem, and we called for help, and the 101st Airborne came with over 100 helicopters to help us, and the United States Air Force came with four uh, what we called close air support. They were old World War II. A1E Sky Raiders, but boy, could they lay it down and, and help the, and uh, four Phantom Jets. And the fighting started. The tremendous courage of the dust-off crews, those are the Red Crosses on them. They came in to get us and pick us up, and the fire was what we call fire, is the enemy shooting at you. It was extremely intense. It was cutting down some of the of, of trees. 
Um, as I say, I wasn't saved, and the, the Viet Cong had cut the tr small trees off about the size of a fence post above my head. And they did that so the helicopters couldn't land. So that meant we had to lift up the dead and wounded to put them into the helicopter. And I was getting uh, really tired. The only thing I can remember saying is, help me. And I'm not, I'm a new Christian. Uh, and I don't know if the Lord helps folks like me then. Uh, but I believe he did because I had enough strength to push my team sergeant up high enough that the medic could reach down and grab him by the scruff of the neck like a kitten. That sergeant had a radio on him and a rucksack. That's a pretty heavy lift. It really is. Uh, that day he earned, for the veterans here, he earned his second silver star and his fourth purple heart. That's a handful, isn't it, Sergeant Major? <laughs> I believe now today he did. Why it's important to help the children to be saved is I wasn't saved until I was 66. That's uh, four years ago. Little boy, Baptist boy in Lake George Charter School come walking down the hall, Tristan Weaver. I was the security guard there, an armed security guard. said, will you come to church with me? And I was shocked. Nobody ever asked me to come to church. And he sa I said, yep, we will. And my wife and I were both saved shortly after that. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> I think he was nine or ten, however old you are when uh, I think he's second or third grade. Uh, and it's, it's really been wonderful to us ever since. The second thing that, may I stand? Yes, please go ahead. Thank you. was a school teacher. I do better standing up. Um, some of you received this brochure when, when you came in, and we have more, and we'll be out there in the lobby to answer questions later. It's our brand new uh, ministry. Uh, if you'll notice on the front page there, uh, we've been blessed. Uh, Cindy's set us up with Facebook so we can talk to the younger generation of veterans and their wives and husbands when they're deployed and somebody has to help them. We have a family friend that uh, uh, she had at the time when she talked to us, two in diapers and a four-year-old, and all she wanted to do was shop groceries at Walmart. And that's a handful because he would hide from her in the clothing racks and, and things. So <laughs> we tried. If you open it up, it'll tell you the things that we can do. And, and on the other page, it asks for help so we can do those things. And uh, please review it. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, some of us are going to hang out uh, uh, in the lobby afterwards, and we'd be glad to talk to you. And thank you for this opportunity. Can we thank these guys one more time? <laughs> Remain standing. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to say a blessing over you, and then we're going to have our color guard and our bagpipes close us out. Uh, with the retrieval of, of the colors. So let me say this blessing, and then, and then we're going to let them close us out. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he 
fill you and keep you in a place of peace. God bless you. Let's let our color guard lead. I'd like to explain why I use a clipboard, and that's because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I know the Army way, but today our Cub Scouts are doing it for us, and they have their protocol and their method, and I'm finding it to be quite wonderful to work with another generation as they learn the right thing to do, so, and we totally appreciate it. Color Guard, are you ready? Sergeant Major, ready? Color Guard. Attention, audience, thank you for rising. Color guard, forward, march. Color guard. Please put your right hand over your heart. And the law is changed for veterans. You may salute if you choose. Color guard, retrieve the colors. Sergeant Major, sound taps. Color guard, retreat. Color guard, halt. Audience two, please drop your hand. Color guard, at ease. Audience, at ease. Thank you.
Uncrossable Pillars and mountains Unscalable Even when my lost heart Was unlovable